Welcome to The Hoodoo Factory, a game show and discussion podcast about the 90s NBC sitcom classic, News Radio. We will be drafting News Radio episodes into units with a common theme. In part A of the podcast, we will host a game show based on our drafted episodes. The contestants will compete for ABSA points in hopes of being declared the ABSA winner. In part B of the podcast, we will discuss the episode in greater detail. We are three dorks who prefer the term news radiologists who decided to use Twitter and podcasting for good instead of pure evil. Greetings, fellow WMYXkins. I'm Tom, and I'm today's host. I'm here with Thaddeus. Hello. And Lauren. Hi there. This episode, Daydream, is the third of our Everything Everywhere All at WNYX unit of episodes. To get us started, Lauren is going to kick it off with our Agent Zero Pew Pew plot synopsis. <laughs> All right. So Daydream was Season 3, Episode 7. It originally aired on November 13th, 1996, which was a Wednesday. The office is unusually hot due to a broken thermostat. The heat is getting to the staff, causing everyone to experience unusual daydreams. For some, the daydreams are self-indulgent fantasies. For others, they are waking nightmares. Dave is attempting to improve the drive time ratings and ends up taking Mr. James's advice to replace the usual news and traffic with an old-timey radio show called Phone Bones Follies. Mr. James later reveals he was just trying to make a point. He didn't actually want Dave to put that crap on the air. Joe finally fixes the thermostat and everyone is able to get some relief, but a surprise twist ending will have viewers questioning reality themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lauren. All right, we've set up a few categories and games in which I, as host, will listen to the answers and arguments of the contestants and award the most arbitrary of ABSA points to them as I see fit. At the end of Part A, I will award one overheated contestant this episode's ABSA award for excellence in this podcast. So let's get started with Round 1, ABSA Fever. So hot. All right. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so hot. <laughs> All right. Um, first one. What scene would you show to a new person? It's going to be Thad. What scene would you go with? All right. So I'm going to go with the Howie scene when he comes up with a snack cart to the meeting table. Uh, that that guy, that actor, is absolutely adorable. Like, I, I don't mean to insult him, but he is absolutely adorable. His his fantasy of having everybody come up to him all excited and ask him about his life is, is like, heartwarming. And then that scene ends with the snapback to reality. When Dave calls him Harry, I just, like, my heart drops <laughs> as I start laughing. You know, so it's a little um, But, again, like, I, I think that, like, jarring snap, I think, is a great example of the comedy for a new person to appreciate. Yeah, very good, very good. All right, Lauren, what's the first uh, scene you would show a new person? I'm going to go with the cold open, uh, which in this case was a hot open. 
Um, we get some great uh, Dave-Jimmy exchanges, which, of course, we always love, um, those scenes between Dave and Jimmy. Um, we've got Dave trying to unsuccessfully dance around the fact that the ratings are crap, and Jimmy hoping Dave didn't remember his promise to not tinker with Dave's creative process. <laughs> I think just, like, the way they interact, you really get the feel of the Dave-Jimmy relationship from that, that little dialogue that goes on there. Um, and then we've also got Beth's unusual fear of the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> which I think a new person wouldn't see coming. Um, and then we've got a very funny bit of physical comedy with Matthew and his frozen shoes, um, which is like a classic news radio bit. But also, like, I think sort of my per- personally, I think it's my favorite pratfall he's ever done. <laughs> so I think all of those things would make it very good to show to a new person. Yeah, he definitely puts a little sauce on it at the end. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't just fall down. There's a whole, like, shimmy kind of thing. Um, All right, Thad, what would your second scene be? Uh, So the second scene that I'd show a new person would be Lisa's table-meeting fantasy of beating Dave, uh, verbally beating Dave in front of the staff. Uh, I think we've all (laughs) had jobs. We've all had bosses that at the meeting we'd like to kind of check them right there. And, uh, and have all of our coworkers kind of cheer us on. She literally fantasizes getting carried out to confetti. And then there are spinning newspapers with headlines about how she has checked her boss. And that he's, he's got shut down. He's got no comebacks. Uh, so that is definitely one I think that, that another person could relate to and appreciate. Very good. All right, Lauren, what's your second scene? Um, I really like the conference table scene where Dave is trying to explain the bad drive time ratings to everyone, and they're they're all so hot and miserable that they can't follow a word he's saying, and yet they still want to tell him how to do his job. <laughs> like they're not even listening and still telling him how he's wrong. Um, it's another one of those scenes where um, you get most of the cast participating, so you get a little taste of each character. And I always think those scenes are really great for a new person. Very good, very good. Those are excellent argument i'm i'm gonna have to cop out and say the points are split on this one that's a tie that's really good um enough hot yeah yeah everybody (laughs) made excellent arguments and uh those were all good scenes so all right so lauren what quote is most usable or would you want to use in real life i think the most usable quote is I'm working on it. (laughs) (laughs) It's not quite as recognizable to the average person as I'm right on top of that rose, but it's still a really great way to let someone know you're working on the thing they asked you to work on and also get to be like just a little bit passive aggressive about it. (laughs) I think especially if you can yell it like as you're walking away or from another room, I think it's just perfect. Or like pass in a doorway. I'm working on it. Exactly. (laughs) Keep on going. (laughs) If there's a little bit of an echo, I think that's done right. (laughs) <laughs> very good all right then what would your uh, most usable quote be um my most usable quote is actually to be if the small man is so wise then why is he so small <laughs> uh i think anytime there's a, an opportunity for a riddle or a logic puzzle like that is makes no sense <laughs> but it sounds like it might be something and i think it automatically just kind of stuns everybody into thinking that you're saying something really wise until they realize that you're not saying anything at all. Uh, but it's like, oh, you know, why can't, why can't they work this way? Well, I don't know, man. If the small man is so wise, then why is he so small? You know, I think you can throw it out there. If Lauren were judging this, uh, I think he would have already won. But... 
<laughs> see how you do. <laughs> All right, Lauren, what's your next most usable quote? Okay. It's going to sound weird, but I like I really like I hear and I obey, Joe. Ooh. Wow. Um, I like to use this one sarcastically when someone gives me an order that really should have been phrased as like a question or a request. <laughs> it's, I think it's a good way to draw attention to the fact that they're trying to boss me around, but in a funny way so mm. that it kind of lightens the, t- the tension instead of just being like, hey, could you like say please or something or, you know, be, right. be a little too up- upfront and confrontational about it. It sort of takes the edge off a little bit. <laughs> sure. Very good. Very good. All right. Then what's your next quote? Um, so the next one I'm going to go with is actually kind of very similar to the way that Lauren just used hers. He must be really getting to you, huh? Like, <laughs> I, I think you can, again, you can use that anytime you're trying to kind of check somebody for a second. They say something that you don't like or they kind of overstep their bounds. You just kind of look at them and be like, hey, he must really be getting to you, huh? Like, just kind of a signal. And again, I love how Beth uses it on Dave where... The heat hasn't gotten to him. She's completely yeah. covering up that she wasn't paying any attention. So I think you could also use it that way. Like, I do remember that he must be getting to you. Right? you <laughs> yeah, so that would be the, the other one I would use. All right, very good. Um, both good sets of quotes. Uh, however, I got to go with Lauren because by, by far my number one was, I'm working on it. So, just by luck of the draw, she gets the point there. Um, okay. it's so hot Um, (laughs) so Thad what gag or bit had the biggest impact on the episode okay so I think the gag that had the the biggest impact on the episode was Lisa's challenging Dave's judo analogy Um, (laughs) it comes up what four times or so through the episode consistently through the episode Mm -hmm. all the way to the end where uh jimmy james delivers a nice little killer on the joke uh but ultimately lisa is fighting about a fighting metaphor it's so meta judo isn't a striking sport you're like like i love in austin powers when he says judo chop because there's no chops in judo it's all grabbing and grabbing. grabbing yeah so like they're they're fighting over they're like grappling over a point Using the metaphor of a grappling sport, and I, I like I just love it. You know, I'm just like that. That wins on all levels. So okay. that's that's my pick. All right, and Lauren, what gag or, or bit had the biggest impact for you? I'm gonna go with Beth's um, horror movie daydreams. So when I think of this episode, even though there's so many daydreams in it, I the image that I think of is Beth with like the Freddy Krueger claw coming yeah. over her shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. And as someone who is terrified of scary movies and like I didn't sleep for a month after watching the movie Saw, I can relate to her daydreams very much. <laughs> um, so maybe that's why it had the biggest impact for me. But honestly, like over the years, anytime I think of this episode where it's mentioned those are the images that flash into my head so i think those have the biggest impact yeah i have to agree that that is what i think of when i think of this episode however i think that i'm again going to take give you the tie because that's argument about the judo grappling (laughs) um and that metaphor that's that was so good uh so i'm going to give you call that a tie again all right um All right, Lauren, what was the coolest detail in this episode? A nice, adequate touch. Okay, so after Bill's daydream about Lisa 
And after Dave's questioning him about whether or not he's seen Lisa, Bill does one of his little awkward word salad moments that he so often does when uh, he doesn't know what to say. Then as Dave walks away, we just barely hear the first note of the song from his daydream starting up again. <laughs> it's like he's already getting right back into the daydream that Dave pulled him out of. I thought that was such nice. a nice touch. That's <laughs> very good. Yeah. All right, Thad, what was, what was the coolest detail you came up with? Talked about following that one. Um, <laughs> so my pick is actually that the lounge chair has a joystick on it, which, which you know, again, we have Bill fall asleep in it, and we have Beth fall asleep in it, and obviously I just think of the massage chair episode where Bill like takes off at the end, you know, right. during, during the closing credits, like you know, he's blowing back like it's the Batmobile just uh, flying up and down. So as soon as I saw that joystick, I was like, man, I just. I don't believe that lounge chairs had joysticks back then. Like that had to be, that had to be like something specifically for the show. So <laughs> they just reused I, the Batman movie. One. Couldn't unsee it after I saw it. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, gosh, I got to give that one to Lauren. That is a good catch on the, on the, yeah. the music cue. That's really good. I'm All bad. right. Okay. Um, best episode enigma. Uh, Thad, what was your best episode enigma? Okay. So the, the main question is, what is the time span of this episode? And you got to think about two other questions. Well, at least one. How long does it take to fix a broken thermostat? The AC unit wasn't broken. It was just the thermostat. Mm -hmm. So does this entire episode actually take place in about two to three hours? Proceeding drive time, drive time, and post-drive time? What is the timing of this episode where everybody is already so hot, they're hallucinating, and all of that? So I, I just could not put together the daily schedule of, of how long it would take Joe to fix the thermostat and how long this day was for them. Right. Very good. Um, okay. Lauren, uh, what do you have for your enigma? Okay. So on an average day in the office, Beth can be seen wearing mini skirts, crop tops, modified bathing suits from time to time. Why on a day when it is swelteringly hot in the office is she wearing long pants, a long sleeve button down shirt over another long sleeve shirt? She does eventually take off the button down shirt, but then she ties it around her waist. Why doesn't she just leave it at her desk? Why is Beth in particular so overdressed for this hot day in the office? Mm. That's good. That's good. I actually think I have an answer to that one, but Ooh. oh, uh oh, then it's not yeah. <laughs> it's not unanswerable. <laughs> yeah. I, I I think the answer to that is that she is basically the showing how how it's getting hotter because uh, almost progressively she gets she rolls her uh -oh. sleeves up yeah. more. She takes you know she has it unbuttoned. Then she takes it off, completely wraps it around. Then she pushes her sleeves of that orange shirt oh. up. Um, and then even when, when it's to Alien, she's got them all the way up here uh, when it's in that scene in the hallway. Nice. So it's just like the hotter it gets, the more she kind of is in various states of undress. If it was any longer, <laughs> she might have been in a bra. But... <laughs> Right. And she no one would have batted an eye. Yeah. <laughs> she, she starts off in the jacket when she comes in with Dave and Jimmy, right? I feel that awful, awful looking jacket. Right. Uh, but yeah. So that, I'm going to give you the point on that. 
I don't know. I think you might get the point. <laughs> I was like, damn. Point to host. Yeah. <laughs> it's a three-way race. <laughs> it's anyone's game. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's get into the Bill, I Stole Your Cane keepsakes. Uh, Lauren, this one goes to you first. Uh, what item would you take from the set of the episode to display or wear? I want Jimmy's snow globe. Ooh. I want the snow globe from the last scene. Damn. And I I know that like it was probably like a special effect that they just like superimposed an image of the bullpen right. into like probably an empty snow globe, but man, like but how if that cool existed. would yeah. a WNYX snow globe be? I need that. Yeah. We would have cool. that. Yeah. yeah. Like, damn, that's a good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> All right, Dad, what would be your keepsake? So the the first one has got to be that lounge chair. I mean, if it's comfortable mm-hmm. enough where people are just falling asleep on it, you know, and I don't even know what that joystick does yet, I'm all in on this comfortable lounge chair. <laughs> you, you, have, you have been for this uh, unit uh, all about comfort on your keepsake. <laughs> the room, the lounge chair. For I, longer I dig than it. this unit, Tom, longer I than dig this it. unit. <laughs> uh, very good. All right, Lauren, what would your second item be? I'm going to go with the Freddy Krueger costume. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I might scare myself with it, <laughs> I do think of the of the various costumes that we saw Matthew wearing, I thought that one was like the most recognizable to the average person. Um, you know, the, the glove was very um, convincing and menacing, and the hat could be used for a number of different costumes. So that was kind of versatile. So I want the whole Freddy costume. Gotcha. Very good. Yes. Very good. It was an above-average hat. If I say so. <laughs> Facts. Oh, well. That's that's not going away anytime soon. <laughs> no. <laughs> Get your stickers at grabagear.com. Thad, <laughs> uh, what would your second keepsake be? Uh, so my second item would be Matthew's Get Better Ratings napkin. That he gives to Dave and Dave gives back to him. I think that would look great. Put it on some glass, put it, hang it up on the wall. You know, one of those type things. I think that'd be a great memento. Get better. On <laughs> <laughs> the napkin. It's used uh, wettish napkin. That is great. Um, well, I'm going to split. You guys, you guys split on that one, too. So, good job. <laughs> you guys are really bringing it. It's really tough to tough to decide. Lauren wins the first 1-0. I, <laughs> I honestly thought Lauren was going to win when she brought up the snow globe. I was like, that is really good. But, yeah. like, the napkin, the napkin got you back in the... I did not think really about that snow globe. Up. And you can't not think about how comfortable that lounge chair has got to be. <laughs> I mean, it looked pretty comfy. <laughs> All right. Um, so, Dad, who was your MVP for this unit? I have Beth. Okay. Lauren? I have Matthew. All right. Excellent. Okay. All right, Dad, tell me why Beth was the MVP for this unit. Well, uh, it's it's weird because of how fantastical the episode is, but Beth actually is like 
the main storyline in a lot of ways. She really connects everybody, and she gets a lot of screen time. It's like you almost don't notice because you get into the daydreams and the horror daydreams and, and being psyched to kind of see what they're referencing. Uh, but she's she's got the most frequent and the most intense daydreams, I would say. She's on screen a lot of the time. And as somebody just pointed out, the fact that she keeps on losing clothing and slowly revealing everything else <laughs> as a reflection of how hot it is is crucial to the episode, Tom. That's well, very important. You quoted a smart person just there, so that's that's a point in your favor. <laughs> All right, Lauren, um, tell me why uh, Matthew was the MVP. Um, so it's Matthew's role as the various horror movie bad guys in Beth's daydreams that makes the episode so surreal. I mean, I would give him MVP purely based on costumes and special effects alone, but he does all these quick switches of his acting style between menacing horror villain and innocent Matthew who just wants to give Beth her stapler back. <laughs> and that's so impactful to the episode. Not to mention, um, as, I, as I previously noted, this episode has one of my favorite pratfalls of all time. <laughs> it's a very good pratfall. Special little twist on the pratfall. <laughs> However... I also had Beth as my MVP, and I would have to give Dad the point on this one. So it looks like we're all knotted up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that completes our Absa Fever round. So right now, I've already tallied up the score, but Lauren is going to give you the Freakzilla report. Straight from the message board, all the best and worst reactions to this episode at the time that it aired. The Hoodoo Factory is brought to you by Carducci's Gelato. Carducci's, for when you don't want to share. So, someone named Andrew came to the message boards to say they thought this episode was pretty funny, but the concept got old pretty quick. They thought Beth's joke about the Wizard of Oz was the funniest part of the whole episode. There was not a single response to this post. So, I don't know if that means no one agreed, or everyone agreed, or no one saw the post. <laughs> but I saw it. And I disagree. <laughs> Bad take. Yeah. <laughs> Our friend Tavy said that her friend Steve had never seen an episode of news radio up until this point, and Daydream was the first episode he ever saw. So Steve had listened to Tavy go on and on about what a great show it was and finally decided to tune in for this episode, and he became an instant converted fan. Nice. So... I guess if you're trying to indoctrinate someone into the news radio fandom, maybe this is a good place to start. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Seems like a weird place to yeah. start, but. <laughs> Although we I haven't mean... been able to decide which scene to start with. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is true. There were lots of debates about which daydream was the funniest. Mostly people thought Dave's daydream was cute. Catherine's daydream was relatable and funniest seemed to be a toss up between Bill's, Joe's, and Beth's daydreams. Yeah. So I, I could kind of see that. Sounds good. Um, there wasn't a lot of mention of Lisa, so I don't know if they didn't think it was funny or just not as funny in comparison. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> they made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> there was much discussion about the St. Elsewhere reference at the final scene of the episode. And I'm sure Tom is going to have something to say about that in his Half-Truths and Gorilla Death segment, so I won't get too much into the details. 
Um, a few people didn't know the reference, and other fans on the message board filled them in, and everyone agreed it was really well done, and it was nice to see that a scene that could be so moving in a drama could still have a big impact in a comedy. Mm-hmm. So. Very good. And that has been this episode's Freakzilla Report. Okay. Well, right now, going into the second and final round, we have a tie score. Dad and Lauren are tied up. And uh, so we're going to go to round two, or as we call it, the Marty Party. It's our Hoodoo Factory version of Buy or Sell. As we all know, a good Marty Party does not an absent make, but it's still anyone's game. So here we go. Uh, Round two. Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective? This game... Is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective? Contestants will get a statement to either buy as the real deal or sell as the McNeil perspective. The second contestant will have to argue the side not chosen, and everyone will score points by making good points in their answer. The first statement is, uh, of all the women in the episode, Bill would value a tryst with Lisa the most. Uh, Lauren, are you going to buy or sell? I'm going to buy. I'm going to go with the real deal. Okay. So, if Bill is to be believed in the episode inappropriate, he has already had a tryst with Catherine. Even in his own fantasy with Beth, he's already annoyed with her. (laughs) (laughs) Lisa, on the other hand, is unattainable. She is a challenge, and in that challenge lies the value for Bill. Wow, very good. Okay. All right, um... That why is this the McNeil perspective? Uh, I think Bill's lust for Beth makes her a much more satisfying lover. We know from earlier episodes that he has been at least flirtatious, if uh, not ogling her a little bit in certain colored dresses. Um, <laughs> she I is the about coolest, the, blue the blue dress. That's right. He resisted, like he resisted, but he suggested it as well. So. You know, there's definitely some sort of thing. We we, we know from later seasons that uh, she does have a thing for older men or some sort of approval she's seeking from older men. Uh, she is the coolest girl in the office, which means she has the most social cachet should anybody find out about their tryst. And she's below him, uh, literally in the hierarchy of the office. So this is actually a chance for his egotism, his chauvinism, quite possibly, to kind of be fed by actually taking advantage of a subordinate. Okay, okay, very good. I'm surprised that Jeanette DeChapeau did not make a make an appearance in anyone's <laughs> argument. But that's <laughs> moving on. Um, statement number two: uh, That Jimmy was not kidding or making a point when he told Dave to put phone bone follies on the air at drive time. This is the McNeil, the McNeil perspective. Tom, this is the McNeil perspective. Uh, how do you make a point to your staff about how bad things are going? Uh, you replace them with a hokey old-time radio sketch show from 1932. It's a clear <laughs> slap in the face to news broadcasters and a message to pick up the slack. So the best part is that Conspiracy Jimmy tells Dave that he wasn't serious so that the staff doesn't question the incident. It gets written off as a miscommunication due to the heat. So Jimmy makes his point and then finds a way so that he's not the bad guy at the end and that it's not his fault that he insulted their professional journalistic integrity. 
So that was the McNeil perspective. <laughs> okay. Very good. Um, Lauren, why is this the real deal? This is the real deal. Jimmy likes being the boss and being in control and having a say in what gets put on the air. Case in point, Tom P. Baxter. Um, I think Jimmy has probably just discovered Phone Bones Follies that day and used the ratings issue as an excuse to put it on his on the air because he thought it was going to be gold. Um, <laughs> then later, when he realized it was probably a mistake, he used the excuse of saying it was that he was just making a point so that he could um, so that he didn't have to admit that he made the mistake. Mm, okay, very good points. All right. Um, so, Lauren, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that Beth had the hardest day out of anyone? This is the real deal. So everyone but Beth is living out a self-indulgent fantasy. Beth, meanwhile, was living a waking nightmare. So Bill's imagining romantic conquest. Joe is imagining himself turning his coworkers into droids. Lisa's imagining <laughs> winning an argument with Dave. Dave is imagining having helpful and productive staff members. Uh, meanwhile, Beth feels like she's literally being hunted by monsters. So her day was the hardest. That's a good point. Okay, very good. All right, that tell me why this is the McNeil perspective. Okay, this is the McNeil perspective because Dave had the hardest day. His station is failing with low ratings. His staff won't even come up with ideas. His handyman is taking way too long to fix the problem. His boss instructs him to put an old-timey radio show on at their peak listener time. His girlfriend keeps trying to argue with him, and then his boss yells at him at the end of the day for it. He definitely had the hardest day out of everybody. It's Dave. Wow. Another very good point. Excellent. All right. Um, question number four. That tell me, is it the real deal or the McNeil perspective that the best daydream scenes happened in the break room and the lobby slash foyer? This is going to be the real deal, Tom. The real okay. deal. Um, and I'm going to say mostly, I think, because of Catherine's scene, which I think had a, it was a little satirical, uh, you know, so like it had a little bit of a point, which I think was really kind of important. I love the aliens. I love aliens, the movie. I love the alien scene and the red with the beeping and the, the multiple Matthews and things like that. And obviously Joe's J dreams and his desire for soda. Um, <laughs> all of that, you know, plus a couple more with Bill and so on and so forth. I, I think that the break room in the lobby definitely was the key location for this episode. Okay, very good. All right, Lauren, uh, why is this the McNeil perspective? This is the McNeil perspective. Um, while those day daydream scenes were good, I think Bill's best daydream scene was with Lisa in the bullpen. Lisa's daydream that included the newspaper montage was really great. That was also in the bullpen. Dave's very simple daydream of having competent staff members was perfection, again, in the bullpen. Uh, Matthew's fantasy that we're led to believe is actually Bill's fantasy was a great moment of misdirection. Um, that's also in the bullpen. And above all else, Howie. Howie's daydream takes place in the bullpen, and I consider it to be one of the best. Wow. Very good. Both, both excellent arguments. All right. Okay, so last one. Lauren, um... Is it the real deal, or McNeil's perspective, that Beth's creepiest Matthew daydream was the Freddy Krueger daydream? This is the real deal. Okay. The Freddy Krueger, it's, it's easily the creepiest, at least to me. It's the most menacing because it's the only one in which he actually touches her. 
Um, it's also the first one, so it's the most unexpected, especially if you're seeing it for the first time. And also, Freddy Krueger gave me big time nightmares as a kid, so I'm yeah. going real deal. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Um, that why is this the McNeil perspective? It's the McNeil perspective because it's Matthew as the little Chucky nightmare. And the reason is, of all the nightmares, that's the one that she can't explain to another person. That's the one that is closest to an actual break from reality. So if you think of all the other ones, it's uh, bad lighting, or she misheard somebody, or she's imagining something. But how do you go to somebody, you, know, you go say, hey, uh, you know, I, I felt like this person was behind me. But you can't go somewhere and be like, hey, I saw this little guy dancing in front of me and, and he wanted to play. Like, you can't explain that to a friend. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, those were some excellent arguments from both contestants. Before I announce the winner, we're going to have a little general discussion about the cast in this episode. Um, so, Thad, uh, do you want to start us off with a little general discussion about the cast? Yeah, I think I think we all probably be looking at shouting out Howie uh, for, for being <laughs> such a great guy in this episode. Again, you know, like that—that's not a big role. That's not something I would expect uh, a, an extra or you know a bit actor to come in and actually just have an impact on the episode. But that to me was kind of a, a real emotional center that that really had an impact for me in the episode. So you know, definitely want to make sure we shout him out and make sure he gets some attention for the great job he did. Absolutely, it's it's. Maybe outside of Bill Moves On, maybe the saddest scene in the entire run of the show. It is like literally it is, uh, you know, it hits me right in the chest. It's like the it's like the opening scene of Up. You know, it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like that, you know, something about old folks that it, it that just that that just gets me. So, yeah, I can definitely see that. That's a great. Point. When he calls him Harry, I'm just like, oh, oh <laughs> so rough. <laughs> oh, so rough. Um, Lauren, what 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 uh, thoughts do you have about the cast? Um, I thought Dave looked taller and more like a grown man Ooh. in this episode. And I think it's because he didn't have the suit jacket on. Oh, yeah. I feel like they purposely dress him to look like the little boy in the blue suit. <laughs> like, I, I think they do it on purpose. And uh, something about, like, the shirt with the rolled up sleeves and the slightly loosened collar, it made him look more like a grown-up. Oh. Um, mm. And I think, you know, they had to do that because it, they had to display, like, how hot it was supposed to be in the office. Yeah. Right. But you really see how it changes his whole look. I thought that was kind of funny. Mm. Yeah, that's good. Um, Dad, any others? Yeah, actually, I was going to uh, shout out Joe because um, I think he was good because he didn't try to do too much. You know, yeah. like, it's not like he really tried to overperform. And not for nothing, the, the laugh and look he gives Beth when she says that she was dreaming of Matthew <laughs> is like... It's a classic Joe laugh. Absolutely love it. Great, like, it's so perfect. Yeah. It's like, that's one of the few things I can't imagine anybody else reacting in a way that's as satisfying as Joe did. You know, that moment. So uh, I, I thought there was kind of a good Joe episode, good timing on that. I'm working on it. Oh, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I thought it definitely worth mentioning right there. Very good. Uh, Lauren, any others? Um, I just think it, it seemed like Andy Dick had a lot of fun playing the scary movie villains in mm. this episode. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it played right into his very broad style of acting, so it worked well. Um, right. And he was he was the right actor to pick for that 
plot device or whatever. I, I think Beth, like Beth and Joe have a friendship outside of work, it seems like. So like they could have easily have said like, oh, she was up late with Joe watching scary movies. But if you try to picture Joe in that role of like becoming the villain in all her daydreams, mm. I just don't think it works as well. Right. Um, and I and I don't think he would have delivered that good of a performance like Andy Dick delivered in that yeah. role. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um, I'd like to shout out uh, Stephen Root for the, the Jimmy um, in one of the final scenes when he's at the window and he's <laughs> he's snapped back into reality and he, he asked Dave what the, the stock market is and he's like uh, six thousand thirty. Eh, okay, <laughs> just that, that little gesture, uh, like with his hand and just. Eh. And he he's like not gonna looks throw at the windowsill and yeah. then like, nah, holds up his hand like, no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> really good. That, that cracks me up. That's uh, For me, that's the funniest moment of the, this episode. All right, any other thoughts? That's it for me. Okay, very good. All right. Um, so, Lauren, uh, is there a scene or montage that you would like to add? Yeah. So, I want to see... Milos's daydream Ooh. montage style. <laughs> wow, that is so, great. That so is I so want to see I want to see Milos walking around the office. He goes to clean the refrigerator. It's already spotless. Like I want to see those sparkle special effects that they do in cleaning product commercials. <laughs> <laughs> like ding! Like when he opens the fridge door, um, then he, Milos goes to empty people's trash cans, but they do it for him. Like they jump up, like, "Oh no, let me get that for you, Milos. Don't worry about it." <laughs> you know? And he's like, "Oh, thank you." And Dave invites Milos to the conference table meeting to congratulate him in front of everyone on how clean the bathrooms are. <laughs> Then, of course, Milos has to snap out of it, and he's standing in the break room staring off into space, and someone goes to throw their unfinished lunch in the trash, and they miss, and half of it goes on the floor, and they just walk away, and Milos is just left standing there looking at the mess he has to clean up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, That is there is something on the fly that you'd like to add. Yeah, I, I thought it was really funny the way everybody was uh, misunderstanding Beth about Matthew. Uh, like the, the reaction from Dave and Jimmy and even when she said she was dreaming about Matthew and Joe's reaction like we just talked about. Uh, so I thought it would be really funny if Catherine and Lisa confronted Beth about it, like maybe in the woman's bathroom. And she like denies it. She's trying to tell the truth and they both treat her, you know, a little patronizing and kid gloves. Like, oh, honey, like everybody makes mistakes. It's in the past. And she's like, it didn't happen. And they're like, that's the right attitude. That's the way, that's the way you got to be about it. Um, and like, maybe it would be a daydream. I couldn't decide if it'd be funnier if it was like a Beth daydream or, or something like that. Uh, but either way, I like, I really liked that joke of everybody kind of trying to couple the two of them up. Uh, and they're having to kind of be defensive about it. And I thought that would have been a funnier uh, continuation of that joke. <laughs> Very good. Um, good. <laughs> all right. Um, I think if if I were to pick, uh, uh, actually, just inspired by Lisa's. Uh, I'm sorry, Lauren's. Um, <laughs> I did it again. <laughs> Cut that. Cut that. Right. <laughs> inspired by Lauren's <laughs> Milos. Um, montage i i'd actually like to see beardy just his his daydream and and all it is is he gets a line he just gets to say a line and then you snap back and you never hear from him again everything's coming up beardy (laughs) snap back to reality 
He gets to eat at Bill's desk. Does he, he hands him a calzone and just motions to his desk to get sit down and eat. <laughs> Dave pours him a coffee. <laughs> All right, Lauren. <laughs> do you have another one? I do. Um, I want to see a scene at the end of Jimmy in court. And he is being sued by the company that owns the rights to Phone Bones Follies. <laughs> They're accusing Jimmy James Incorporated of airing their show without permission and without paying any royalties. Um, Jimmy is being represented by Joe. His main argument is that the show is such crap that they should have been paying him to put it on the air, not the other way around. The judge is about to rule against Jimmy when Joe yells, Tubal Cain, and the case is immediately dismissed. <laughs> Tubal Cain. <laughs> Very good. All right. So, all right. Based on our scores from their absolute fever round, combined with scores from our Marty Party round, I am just going to declare Thaddeus today's ABSA award winner. What would you like to tell your adoring fans? Uh, if you didn't think it was possible for me to be unprepared for this two times in a row because I thought the other person was going to win, <laughs> you would be wrong. Lauren came out so hot that first round. I like, I was just like, well, this is over. Let's hope part B works out a little bit more. Um, no, it is my great honor to be crowned the Abs of Fever round champion uh, for this great episode. You might even say it was a daydream of mine. <laughs> uh, no that was a good round that was a lot of fun i really appreciate it and uh you know at some point people are gonna think i have wood panelings of all these wind marks i'm not putting up there <laughs> <laughs> yep is he a bad carpenter or a great winner <laughs> listen to the podcast that's how you find out <laughs> all right. well thank you that um we hope you'll join us for more discussion about the episode in Part B. Until then, thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. Good night, pumpkin. But a go to you too. Pantyhose. Thank you for visiting the Hoodoo Factory, the source for all your hoodoo needs. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at hoodoo underscore factory. The Hoodoo Factory is part of the Stolen Dress Podcast Network. Please stop by our gift shop at grabitgear.com. And remember, the Hoodoo Factory is the supplier of the only known antidote for Absa fever. <laughs>